When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. Lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS. Now on to your regularly scheduled program. Another edition of Patriots Beat here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bobby Kravitsky, at Bobby underscore K91. And you can follow the podcast at, at Patriots Beat, CLNS Radio, at CLNS Radio. A few Facebook fans out there, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat or www.facebook.com slash CLNS Fans. The podcast today is brought to you by Peak Brewing Company. Go out and try some all-natural beer. I highly recommend it. I tried a little bit of their Nut Brown. It is fantastic. It is on tap at a local restaurant for me, so that makes me very excited. And, of course, the good people over at lynda.com. Get out and challenge yourself today. A free 10-day trial, www.lynda.com slash C-L-N-S. And if you need some help spelling that, that is L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. Big news out of New England. Big, big news. I don't want to call myself Nostradamus just yet. But on last week's podcast, I said that I expected Vince Wilfork to be cut. Actually, two weeks ago, I said I expected to be have Vince Wilfork uh, to be cut, and really, he's not cut. Uh, his option will not be picked up for the season, uh, saving the Patriots some big-time buku money um, here for the New England Patriots to go out and sign uh, some players, uh, hopefully sign uh, Darrell Revis. But uh, by not picking up the option uh, today, the Patriots uh, save seven million five hundred and fifty-six thousand six hundred sixty. in cap space. That number is courtesy of Miguel from PatsCap.com. Big shout out to Miguel. Anytime I have any type of uh, cap question, I bring it to Miguel. And of course, you can find him at PatsCap.com as well as PatsFans.com. Our friends over there with the Patriots 4th and 2 podcast. He does a phenomenal job as well as they do. But Bobby... Big Vince uh, not coming back, or at least not officially coming back for the New England Patriots. Your thoughts on big old number 75 uh, walking out that door? Yeah, this has been one of our many debates, and without getting too technical here, it seems for the moment like you've won this one. I certainly didn't predict 
that they would decline his option. I thought they'd restructure that roster bonus. So you get the victory here. Put it in the W column for Jeff Kane. As far as Wilfork's future with the team, I just think if they start next season without big number 75, you're losing a lot, especially when it comes to intangibles. You know, that leadership, that locker room presence, his ability to teach what's a fairly young corpse when it comes to defensive tackles. You look at easily, he's a different type of player, but only entering his second season. You look at Salinga, has learned a lot from Wilford, clearly, and is still a young player in his own right. So I think also Teddy Bruschi talked about today the communication factor. He said that Wilford is a guy who has the intelligence of a linebacker and that he's instrumental in communicating with the guys up front where they need to be and what to watch out for. So I really think you're going to lose a lot more than just that girth and a guy who can two-gap in Vince Wilford. I wouldn't be surprised, as I said, to see Vince Wilford come back on a one- or two-year incentive-laden contract. He uh, he certainly left with class uh, on Twitter, putting out a statement thanking the fans, thanking the Patriots organization, saying he played for the best coach of all time. I would not be surprised if he is back. Not that this is a wink-wink, nod-nod type of thing to bring uh, Vince Wilford back, but... I would not be surprised if uh, big number 75 is trolling the uh, trolling the interior line for the New England Patriots in the 2015 season. Later on on the episode, we will have Nesson's Doug Kai. We'll ask him of that along with some very other questions. And of course, you can follow Doug on Nesson at uh, sorry on Twitter at Doug Kai Nesson N E S N. Uh, Doug is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, Patriots writer for Nesson. In fact, he was uh, the first guest I ever had on my original podcast, Patriots Goal to Go. Doug, uh, I just just think Doug, I think the world of Doug, he's he's great. So, so this interview is going to be a trip down memory lane for you. Well, you never know. You know, the fat guy, he's got some he's got some memory. He's got some memory issues. He's getting old. He's getting old, Bobby, you know? One too many of those peaking <laughs> brews. <laughs> they are tasty. They are tasty. Let me ask you this because Vince Wilfork, of course, uh if this is his final game or this final season just happened for the New England Patriots, he bookends his career, his rookie year winning a Super Bowl and his final year winning a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. Contrary to our old friend Logan Mankins, who came in the year after uh, the Patriots won a Super Bowl and left the year before the Patriots won a Super Bowl, two stalwarts uh, for the New England Patriots over the last 10 years, two completely different endings. Your thoughts there, Bobby? Yeah, boy, that's unfortunate if you're Logan Mankins. One year too late, and then one year too early. That's unfortunate, but both of them had, you know, storied careers with the Patriots. Of course, they went about them very differently, but there are also two examples, Jeff, of players who, when you talk about the Patriots being frugal, they paid Will Fork and Minkins top-of-the-line money for their positions. So their examples against that notion, both of them were highly productive, some of the best players at their position, and got rewarded for it. We'll see now. The Patriots have some free agents coming up this season who are at the top of their positions currently, most notably Revis and McCourty. We'll see how the Patriots treat those two. And, of course, you know that Bill Belichick and company would like to bring those guys back if they can. Well, joining us now on the lynda.com phone lines is Doug Kide, Patriots beat writer for Nesson and Nesson.com. Doug, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? We are hanging in there, that is for sure. Definitely hanging in there. <laughs> Doug, big news of the day. Vince Wilfork, uh, his contract will not be picked up the two option years uh, following this year, saving the Patriots just north of $7 million. The writing seemed to be on the wall to me. It, as as a beat manager going out and covering the Patriots, it's got to be very hard to see a man with such – Oh, Vince is just such a great guy. See him leaving a team after 11 years. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely tough, and I'm sure it's going to be 
you know, tough on his teammates as well, just because he is absolutely a, a leader of that defense. Not necessarily uh, an overly vocal leader most of the time, but he really just leads by example, uh, a quiet type who, when he does speak up, everyone certainly listens. Uh, like he said, he's been there for, for quite a while now, 11 seasons. Uh, and it was it was nice to see him bookend his career with Super Bowls because, you know, he really was able to go out on top with the Patriots. And I wouldn't completely rule out a return either just because I think I'd like to wait to see, you know, what his market is going to be as a free agent before I completely rule that out. And, Doug, that was going to be my question. How likely do you think it is that Wolfwork returns perhaps on an incentive-laden deal? Well, I think that if he does come back, it definitely would be an incentive-laden deal. I also think that he will probably, um, you know, he came back to New England on that incentive-laden deal. It's possible that he could have made more on the open market last year, could have had more of a guaranteed contract. So I think that he probably will want to get some money this offseason. But just the fact that I'm sure his family will probably stay in New England uh, wherever he goes. So it's going to be a tough season on him, and he'll have to kind of weigh he'll have to weigh how much that's worth to him, uh, whether it's worth taking a slightly lesser contract from the Patriots to be able to retire here uh, and, and to spend time with his family and to keep his family in New England, or if he if he wants to take more money and a, a more guaranteed contract to go elsewhere. So uh, you know that's a decision that only he can make, and uh, it's obviously a very difficult one that he's going to have to make. We move on to free agency, which starts on Tuesday. The Patriots have not made their decision yet on Darrell Revis and the $20 million uh, extend on extension, but uh, option. Uh, most reports out there are that uh, Revis does not expect that to be picked up, and I think we all don't expect that to be picked up. Some reports came out earlier today that uh, it could be between the Patriots and the Jets. My question for you, Doug, is this. The Jets no longer have Rex Ryan. What would be the draw, other than money, to the New York Jets for Darrell Rivas? Well, he did begin his career there, and he began his career there, you know, before Rex Ryan was was around. So I think he does still have a connection to the team. I know that he likes the city of New York quite a bit, too. Um, and I don't think that he would like to go to a team like, say, Buffalo, where he's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so I think that there are some draws there. You know, John Nugent got fired. He was the guy who supposedly didn't want Revis last year. So uh, there's not that awkwardness there anymore. It, it's a new new team, new owner, and two, new leadership. And, you know, it is where he began his career. It, it's not the same faces. It's not the same guys. But there is a connection there like there probably would be for, for any athlete. Uh, and, you know, obviously the Jets aren't going to be competing anytime soon. And their GM basically said that at the combine this year, saying that they're not going to force themselves to, to pick a quarterback because this is a long-term plan. So that's really what Revis has to decide is whether he wants to win or whether he wants money because the Jets are going to be able to give him basically as much money as he wants. They have a ton of cap room. Patriots are in, in the red at this point. So it, it really is just going to come down to money versus winning for him and We'll see how he goes for that. And like Wolfwork, that is a tough decision. When someone else is offering you, I, you know, these are just made-up figures, but four or five million dollars more per season, that's a lot of money. So it's really just going to be up to him on on what he decides there. Doug, speaking of money, the Patriots carved out more cap space, of course, with parting ways with Wolfwork declining that option. That was the driving force behind the move. Does that newfound cap space? make you more confident at the prospect of re-signing both Revis and McCourty? Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, that, that certainly frees up some of that money that, that they, they obviously needed. Uh, there are some more moves to be made, obviously, the first of which is to decline that option for Revis so that they're not great anymore. But, you know, there are some, some contracts that they can get rid of, that they can extend to free up some more cap room. But, uh, Wilfork was really the first shoe that needed to drop to be able to bring back Revis and McCordy. And I know that all Patriots fans want Revis and McCordy back, but at the very least, this shows that the Patriots are going to be willing to spend money this offseason 
regardless of which player is eating. Uh, I think that McCoy is going to be back just based on, you know, he, he wants to be on a winning team. He really likes New England. He likes playing for the Patriots. This is where his career started. Uh, but regardless, the Patriots really do need to spend money this offseason, and they are going to have money to spend. So they're going to be bringing someone in. It just uh, We'll have to wait to see who those players are. Doug, worst-case scenario, we've seen some reports out there that both Philadelphia is interested in Dev McCourty as well as the New York Giants. Worst-case scenario, a guy like Deron Harmon in his third year out of Rutgers or even Tavon Wilson in going into his fourth year out of Illinois, could either one of them step up into the role that McCourty held the last uh, five years? Uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think that would be fair to say. I don't think that, you know, there are a few players in the league that could step into the, the role that McCourty filled just based on leadership, captaincy, uh, his knowledge of the defense, his, his speed, his instincts. But, you know, Harmon did uh, – he had a good season last year. He, he, I don't think he allowed a single reception, so that's obviously a plus. But he was also playing a limited amount of snaps. Uh, I think that if McCourty goes, it would come down to Harmon. And then possibly we could see a switch in position for either Logan Ryan or Kyle Arrington too. It certainly worked with Devin McCourty. Ryan and Arrington are both very similar players to, to McCourty, just based on the fact that they're, they're zone cornerbacks. They like to keep the ball in front of them. They have pretty good instincts, pretty good ball skills. Obviously, we saw Logan Ryan catch five interceptions last season. Arrington had the seven-interception season. So these guys are guys who can be ball hawks. I think that we might see some of that experimentation if McCourty leaves. But obviously, Harmon, the, the job's up in the air for him, too. He proved to be a pretty solid option there at free safety last year while McCourty was covering tight ends or playing cornerback or doing a number of other things on the field. Looking offensively, if the Patriots lose Shane Vereen in free agency, do you know whether or not they feel comfortable with James White replacing him, or might they look outside the roster to fill what's often referred to as the Kevin Falk role? Yeah, I think that... Obviously, they took James White for a reason. Uh, a lot of people seem to have a lot of faith in him during uh, the summer last year, during training camp, and then obviously that kind of fell off and he was barely active. But it seems to be said for Shane Marine during his rookie season. So I might not look too far into that, but I absolutely think the Patriots will bring in another third down back because through the years, they've always had at least two on the roster, whether it's Marine and Woodhead, Woodhead and Falk, Woodhead, Falk, and Marine. Even back in the days when Patrick Tass was catching passes out of the backfield along with Kevin Falk. So I think either through the draft or through free agency, I think free agency is probably more likely. We will see another guy come in who can catch passes. And the guy who just hit the market, Pierre Thomas, is a pretty interesting uh, player because he really is, has been a, a pass catching specialist for the Saints over the last few years. And he might not have the same speed or or shiftiness or, or big playability as Vereen, but he certainly would be a dependable option out there and one who can be trusted in, in pass blocking. Doug, stealing from one of your tweets from earlier on Thursday, you said between uh, free agency and the draft, um, this is a good time uh, to get a wide receiver at the Patriots cut Amendola. Who could you see the Patriots going after in both free agency and then in the draft at a wide receiver position? All the all the latest reports point to Brian Hartline. Um, that's a kind of interesting option. He's a guy who can work over the middle of the field. He's a he's a bigger option than Amendola, so uh, they have that going for them. You know, I don't think that would be the most exciting option, but he is available. He's probably going to be pretty cheap. Uh, in the draft, there's a there's a number of players, and it seems like just based on early workouts, I know you can't look into this stuff too much. But they're looking for those big fast guys, Sammy Coates out of Auburn, uh, Chris Conley out of Georgia. I think that, you know, they might go to that well again and try to find that guy who can be a deep threat for Brady and, and that they can possibly build up to, to be a, a good route runner and, and someone who can read the offense. We'll see how it goes, but I think it's at least worth taking a shot on one of those guys in this draft just because there's so many of them. This draft is really chock full of guys who are 6'2 and run a 4-4-40 and you know, when there's a ton of guys out there like that, you might as well take a shot on one of them and see what you have. Let me ask you a quick follow-up to that. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Patriots uh, drafted Aaron Dobson and then Josh Boyce. D 
Dobson has been working out in Arizona going into his third year. Your thoughts on uh, Aaron Dobson possibly finally contributing to this team? Uh, you know, I I probably wouldn't have too much faith in it just because his first two seasons, I mean, obviously his first season was, was pretty solid for a Patriots rookie receiver. Um, then his second season, he really dropped off, and it's never a good thing when you can't pass Brian Kim's on the depth chart. Then again, he did have the foot injury, so I don't know. You just can't have too much faith in a guy coming into his third season who basically did nothing in year two. So I'd say that anything they get out of him is a plus, but you can't depend on him being that number three receiver or possibly even the number four receiver just because of how last season went for him. Doug, sticking with the receiver position, Andre Johnson seems poised to hit the open market. Now, Patriots fans have been clamoring for him the past few years now. Is there any chance that should he, in fact, become a free agent, that that's how the Patriots look to replace Amendola should those two part ways? You know, there's a chance, but I feel like he's another guy who's probably going to want a bigger role than he would find for the Patriots. Um, I don't think they could guarantee him that starting spot that Brandon LaFell has. And obviously Amendola only had about 200 yards last season as the number three receiver. I'd say if someone like Andre Johnson came in, he'd have more than 200 yards. But I don't know if they could, they could guarantee him that starting role. And there, you know, he probably knows as well as anyone else how many veteran receivers have come in and not caught on. So he might you now lean towards signing with a team that he has more of a guaranteed role with he can still be a starter on, possibly pick up the offense a little faster just because the Patriots offense has been so tough in the past. But, you know, there's a chance, and it helps these coming from Bill O'Brien's offense, but I probably wouldn't bank on it by any means. Doug, final question here, and we're going to go over to the big uglies, the offensive line uh, going into their second year under Gooch. Last year, it was a mixed bag what you got from the offensive line when, they, when the starting five was – Together, uh, they played a, a decent amount of football together, a decent uh, game. But um, when players were hurt, it kind of went down the tubes. Dan Connolly is a free agent. Do you think the Patriots should resign Dan Connolly, or is there someone out on the free agent market that they can move into that left guard position? Uh, I, I don't think it would hurt to resign Dan Connolly just because I don't think he'd become very expensive and he could at least compete for a role, whether it's the left guard position or the right guard position. But I think they absolutely need to either draft or sign their future left guard. That position is very important. The Patriots offensive line really proved that last season, how important that role is. So there are certainly some appealing options out there. Mike Ayupati is, is the most appealing, but I think that signing him would mean not signing either Devin McCourty or Darrell Revis. Uh, Clint Bowling is, is a slightly cheaper option, and you get down to the guys like James Carpenter. So I wouldn't say there's a perfect left guard in free agency for the Patriots, but there are a number of appealing guards in the draft, and they might go the same route they did last year with Brian Stork and just draft the guy and start him right away. It worked out pretty well with him, but they absolutely need an improvement there at left guard or right guard, whatever it is. I think Wendell played well last year, but if Connelly comes back, he would at least let those two compete for one role, I'd say. Have you spoken with Connelly? Is there any indication whether or not he wants to come back, or is he at all leaning towards retiring? Um, I haven't spoken with him or his representatives. No one's, no one's talking a whole lot, but I, I'd say that he he's, by all signs pointing from last year, he's, He's going to want to keep playing. Thank you very much, Doug Kide from Nesson. We appreciate you coming on CLS Radio's Patriots Beat. Thank you so much. Absolutely. No problem. Anytime, guys. That was Nesson's Doug Kide, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at Doug Kide, N-E-S-N for Nesson. Doug does a great job there. And Doug was brought to you today by Peak Brewing, peakbrewing.com, the organic brew. Go out and get yourself some tasty organic brew i love it i just you know i'm a beer guy i'm a beer guy dude i don't know how I, how you are but i just love beer yeah i got a weakness for jack and cokes that's my vice uh, well, that's nothing wrong with that
Beer as well, though. You know, give me a cold one any day of the week. I'm not going to say no. Who who could say no to beer? Mm, beer. Exactly, that Homer Simpson <laughs> voice. Great stuff there by uh, Doug Kide. We've touched on a oh a, a plethora. We'll use that word a plethora of uh, of different objects and different topics uh, there. Interesting to see what he had to say about our man D Mac because I brought up Harmon and I brought up uh, Tavon Wilson and. I know Deb McCourty is a very, very good player for the New England Patriots. I don't see Deb McCourty coming back for the Patriots here, Bobby. I just don't see it happening. I don't see the New England Patriots going out and putting the green down on a safety to 8 to $10 million a year that it's going to take to bring DMAC back. Don't get me wrong. I love Deb McCourty, and I think he's a talented player. I think he is a step below the playmakers out there. I think he's a step below an Errol Thomas. I think he's a step below Jarius Bird. I think he's, you know, far below an Ed Reed. I don't think defensive, I'm sorry, offensive coordinators go into a game plan saying, all right, where's number 32? We got to take care of Devin McCourty. I don't think they're too worried about him. I know you think a little differently than I do, but I just don't see Devin McCourty making it back on this football team. Yeah, I look at the decision not to de- the decision rather to decline Vince Wilfork's option years as a positive indicator. We don't know what the open market's going to bring, what teams they're going to throw at the likes of McCourty, and you know it certainly could be a contract that is heavy in regards of money and cap costs up front to try and incentivize McCourty to leave New England. But I look at the cap space they just cleared out by not bringing back Will Fork as a positive in the potential re-signing of their free safety. Because let's keep in mind, and sometimes I hear people talk about the Revis situation, and it just sounds like they're a bit off base. By re-signing him, they're presumably going to get about $9 million, maybe even more, in cap space back by re-signing Revis, of course, If they don't bring him back, if they lose him, they have even more money to work with, and that increases the likelihood that McCourty's back as well. So I think from a financial standpoint, it just became a lot easier to bring McCourty back, and I just don't think there's a good option internally, and it's a weak position right now in terms of free agency and the draft to try and replace him externally. You know, Kyle Arrington is a bit small to be the guy you're relying on, to prevent the deep ball, even though he shares a lot of the same physical traits as McCourty. Height's not one of them. Logan Ryan, could he do it? I don't know. That's a big question. So I think the safest bet would be to spend a large chunk of the money you just carved out by not bringing back Big Vince and putting it towards Devin McCourty. I'm going to say this right now because I'll put this out there for uh, for Patriots Nation. Uh, Right now, as it stands, as as we release this podcast Thursday night into Friday morning, the Patriots are $4.4 million and some change over the salary cap. If they do not pick up Darrell Revis's option, uh, they'll be just north of $15 million over, uh, under the salary cap, so they'll have some money to spend there. Of course, they can restructure uh, Danny Amendola. They can restructure a guy like uh, Gerard Mayo. We still have a few days left before things happen uh, with the New England Patriots. One thing that I want to point out here about the Darrell Revis contract situation, uh, actually two things, and, I, and we brought it up on our extended podcast the other night, but one, he is not subject to the legal tampering period that begins on Saturday morning until his option is declined. He is still technically a part of the New England Patriots, uh, so he cannot see what's gauged out there for money. You might see, and I don't think you're going to, but you might see the New England Patriots uh, decline that option on a Saturday night or Sunday so he can go out there and kind of see what's going on and they can start working on parameters of a deal. The other way to look at this if they do not pick up that option of Darrell Rivas, a $5 million dead cap charge goes right against that. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm working my tail off right now 
to extend Darrell Revis and give him the type of money that he needs out there and extend him, go the length, because you don't want a, a $5 million uh, you know, cap hit, negative cap hit on your uh, roster for a guy you're going to be bringing back. So that's the one thing I'm looking at there. It's a definite indication that I'm looking because, say the Patriots – uh, you know, release Darrell Revis and then turn around and sign him to a, and we'll just throw up some ballpark numbers here, uh, you know, a five-year, $75 million, uh, you know, cap uh, cap charge there. What's that, about $15 million a year, if my math is, is quick enough? Is, is it, yep, Bobby? Yep, you're right on point. All right, so that means, depending on how they put it out, let's just say they put it even. It's It's even, Steven, across the board. You're paying him, you know, fifteen million dollars a year. That includes your bonuses, this and that. That means his cap hit, if his cap hits fifteen million dollars in that first year, his cap hits actually twenty million dollars. So why not just pick up the option? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's interesting because from one hand you have the idea that Darrell Revis would not be happy with them picking up the option, but on the other end. If you can work out an extension that gives him the same cap hit, then he, of course, has more long-term security, and I think he'd be okay with it. So I think this option, you know, are you really willing to piss Darrell Rivas off to such an extent where who knows what happens next, that you pick up the option, a move that he never thought was really on the table? I mean, I get that you want to keep him and keep him away from the Jets, but you got to look at how that's going to go over with the player that you're committing so much money to. I, I just assume the Patriots sign him to a long-term extension. And quite frankly, I know there's that temptation, like there would be with any player, to test the open market and see just how much money you could get, especially for someone who operates the way Darrell Revis does, where he's looking to get all his money, which is understandable. I don't knock him for that. But if you're the Patriots you got to lock this thing up before March 10th. We know, Jeff, we've talked about it the last couple of podcasts, the fact that even though that legal tampering period doesn't apply to Revis as long as that option is intact, that the Jets have been very vocal about their pursuit of Revis, and you got to assume that his agent is doing his due diligence and, you know, through one channel or another, has an understanding of how much exactly New York would be willing to pay Darrell Revis. So we're going to see what happens here. It's going to be interesting. But if I'm the Patriots, whether it takes $50 million, whether it takes $55 million, I'm trying everything I can, and I'm willing to pay just about any amount to lock him up ahead of March 10th. Yeah, you know, you wonder, because I'm sure the Patriots, they want to go out and lock him up. And if you're this close, if you're a player, why not go out and – see what the market bears. There have been a lot of reports out there that Revis really enjoyed his time in New England. He's got his ring. Uh, now, does he want to come back and win? Uh, I don't think he in really particularly enjoyed his time in Tampa Bay, uh, playing for a franchise that isn't very good. Uh, sure, he made a lot of money, but he was a cover two corner. We talked to Doug Hyde about bringing, uh, you know, him bringing back and going to the New York Jets. Listen, if he goes to the Jets, it's strictly about money with Darrell Revis. It, it, it means nothing else. The Jets are not going to be winning anytime soon. They got issues all over the board. So I don't think the Jets are going to be winning anytime soon. So it, to me, it's all about money there. Um, but I still look at this and I still see Darrell Revis being priority number one for the New England Patriots. And I'll tell you right now, I'm comfortable with the Patriots using Deron Harmon or Logan Ryan as that free safety. Um, you know, Deron Harmon played corner uh, at Rutgers. He played safety at Rutgers. Um, he can play a little bit of everything. He can be that Dev McCourty type of player. And as, as Doug Hyde said, Logan Ryan's more, you know, of that zone corner, just like McCourty was, where he likes to play with the ball, uh, you know, in front of him where he can look at it, like I've always said about McCourty. I'm not as scared about losing McCourty as I am Darrell Rivas. Yeah, those are two very different scenarios right there, with a larger drop-off, of course, coming if you lose Rivas, although we don't know 
how that money that would be freed up in this scenario would be put to use. But I just look at the McCourty situation, not from a standpoint of an either or, but from a standpoint of you want that secondary as a whole. That was the strength of the defense last year. And yeah, if you're able to bring Revis back, you still have him. But you've lost that player who, Jeff, he's not a playmaker. You're right when you give that knock to McCourty, but he is a play preventer. You know, defenses, you like to say, they don't look at Devin McCourty. You know, they don't game plan around him. But I think there's still a large degree that they do because when you're looking to take shots deep, when you're looking to make throws beyond the first down marker, you got to know where Devin McCourty is on the field. And he's done an excellent job at making sure to prevent the deep threat. He's He is the primary reason the Patriots have been at the top of the league in preventing those plays, especially when it comes to even deeper 20-plus yard passes. So I think to lose that, there's going to be a drop-off that could ultimately prove to be costly in a league that has become pass-happy. Let me counter this with that here, Bobby, is because even when the Patriots had Aqib Tlaib, who was a, a, a good corner in his own right, there were issues um, with stopping people on third down, with getting off the field, with pass, uh, with, with shutting down the pass routes. And Devin McCourty was on those teams. I like Devin McCourty very much. I just don't think he's worth the money. Well, keep, keep in mind, Jeff, that Tlaib got hurt. I believe it was week six when they played the Saints. And he never really was the same. He came back in week 11 against the Panthers off the bye week. He got hurt in that game again. He really never was the same player from what I think was week six moving on the rest of the season. I'll I'll give you that. I just, I don't know. I just, if I'm Bill Belichick, if I'm Nick Casario, I'm saying, DMAC, thank you very much for your five years here. You did a, a wonderful job. We got a we got a ring out of you, but now let's you know move up and see what else we can do. Uh, I, I think it's more important to get that shutdown corner than it is to to sign that uh, big play preventer because I think that Logan Ryan or Deron Harmon can develop into that next good center fielder type, and that's not a knock against Dem McCourty. He did a fine job in his career year, uh, starting out. Of course, as a cornerback and seven interceptions his rookie year, um, you know, not a great second year, but pretty good. And, and then moving to safety when they acquired a keep to leave and doing some good things. He played a heck of a heck of a, uh, you know, five years here. But I just I think his time's over. And there's no argument with the first part of that statement about Revis's priority. Number one, you know, I think Patriots Nation is, you know, in agreement with that 100% of the way. I also look at it and say, if you can get Devin McCourty, and again, we don't know how the market's going to bear out, but if you can get McCourty back at a $7 million cap hit for this upcoming season, maybe even $8 million with the money you just got back by declining Will Fork's option, I would say do it. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, again, it all matters. It all, it all, it, not a ton of cap space to go around. So it all matters where they go. Doug Kai, switching sides of the ball, Doug Kai brought up a very interesting name, and that was Pierre Thomas. Um, you know, he's he's 30 years old. Running backs start to go, go downhill a little bit at 30 years old. Uh, only 45 rushing attempts last year for this guy. Uh, and, and this is a guy who beforehand uh, always was – over 100 touches uh, on the ground. Um, last year, 45 carries, 222 yards, two touchdowns, um, and a 4.9 yards per uh, per carry. Uh, 45 receptions for them uh, for 378 yards. The year before, uh, at, at age 29, he came out with uh, 549 yards uh, and 77 receptions. So Pierre Thomas, we talked – a little bit last week about uh, Reggie Bush and the week before about Reggie Bush possibly coming in here. Uh, Pierre Thomas could be a cheaper option to come in and groom a guy like James White behind. And I think that makes a lot of sense. We know that Belichick, 
He thinks highly of Pierre Thomas. You know, I believe that he tried to trade for him even in the past, tried to acquire him. 2011 season is when he did. Right, so we know that he is a fan of Thomas's game. Of course, you know, it's been a couple years since then, but he fits that role. He fits it at a price the Patriots, like Jeff Howe reported earlier today, that Vereen is looking for $3.5 million per year, and the Patriots are not willing to touch that number. So Thomas, who, like you said, he's even cheaper than Reggie Bush. He can split that role with James White, which helps with White's development. I think it makes a lot of sense. The other uh, name that we brought up along with Doug Kite, and you and I also brought it up uh, last week, uh, was that of Brian Hartline. And the Patriots have shown a little bit of interest in him uh, coming out uh, to join the Patriots. In fact, uh, Mary Kay Cabot uh, of the Cleveland Plain Dealer came out and said that uh, Hartline would take less money to play with a quarterback like Tom Brady. Uh, this is a guy that uh, is not that bad of a player. 28 years old, he's, he's a little older, but coming off, this year it was a down season, 39 receptions, 474 yards. We did talk last week that that was partly due to the ascension of the uh, rookie uh, Landry, I believe his name was, um, for the Miami Dolphins, but had back-to-back years in 2012 and 2013 with over 1,000 yards, uh, 74 and 76 receptions res- respectively. Your thoughts on on Hartline? He's a bigger wide receiver, as I mentioned last week. He reminds me more of a Jordy Nelson than he does, uh, you know, a Danny Amendola. I just worry about, you know, the veteran wide receiver coming in here. We hit lightning in a bottle last year with uh, Brandon LaFell. Your thoughts there, Bobby? Well, I know his size doesn't make him a prototypical slot receiver, but he can fill that role as the number three receiver in this system and also provide an insurance policy for Julian Edelman, although he's not exactly the same mold as Edelman or Amendola is, I think that it would work. You know, you look at those guys, the slot receivers who come in like Wes Welker, like Julian Edelman, and it just seems easier for them to pick up the system. So I can understand why Hartline, especially getting the chance to play with a quarterback, like Tom Brady, would be willing to take a discount and confident in his ability to have success here, looking at players who he's at least comparable to and the success that they've had in New England. Let's switch gears a little bit here and look at uh, the Buffalo Bills. We understand this is a Patriots Beat podcast, but we got to talk a little bit about the Buffalo Bills because a couple days ago it was announced that they had uh, traded Kiko Alonso to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in order to get LaShawn McCoy, Shady McCoy, the good running back, uh, coming back over from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they took old friend Matt Castle uh, from the Minnesota Vikings. That trade was announced yesterday. Of course, these cannot be uh, officially completed until the league year starts Tuesday at 4 p.m. What are your thoughts on these two moves here? Well, we'll start with the most simple one. We know that Matt Castle is just the bridge quarterback until they can get a franchise guy. So we'll see how long he's there. It'll be interesting to have him back in the division this time for a different team. You know, we'll see how that goes. Of course, the Patriots faced Castle this uh, this past season. And that's exactly where I was going. They feasted on him. Obviously, Bill Belichick knows his game quite well. And the Patriots took advantage of that. Now, when you talk about that other move, Shady McCoy, wow, talk about a curveball that seemed to catch a lot of people off guard. Jeff, one of the interesting stories to come out of the McCoy trade, to me at least, was the fact that it seemed like the Eagles had decided that McCoy wasn't coming back. They were ready to simply release him, figured they'd do their due diligence, called around the league. It wasn't reported how many teams they talked to before getting to the Bills, but they were looking for any compensation, really, and would have been okay accepting the fact that they can just cut him. And, of course, the Bills, they just right away throw out Kiko Alonso, their stud linebacker from two years ago. And, obviously, the Eagles happily make that deal, got consummated in 20 minutes. So, interesting development there. 
you know, a lot of people are questioning Chip Kelly. I know that you, based on what you said in our message boards, don't love this move for the Bills. And you wouldn't think that would be the way you know how much I love the running game. I never said I love a bell cow running back, though. I've never said that. I would love a bell cow running back, but I like running the ball. I like balance. I don't like this move for the Buffalo Bills. I don't think it's a good move for the for the team. Listen, I understand Shady McCoy is a a very good running back. You're paying him $11 million this year. In fact, the Bills are actually putting a little more uh, oomph into this contract uh, to give him a couple more uh, seasons. Listen, he's not old. He's not old by any stretch of the imagination. He's only 26 years old. I just don't like this move. I don't like this move at all. He, uh, you know, He's coming off of back-to-back 300-carry seasons. That's a lot of wear and tear uh, for a running back. Yeah, I, it's it's tough. If the new offensive coordinator for the Bills, who is Greg Ramos, uh, formerly of the 49ers, did some very good things uh, with Colin Kaepernick and then, of course, uh, Frank Gore and, and running that read option. Listen, Shady McCoy is great for that. I just don't think you needed to spend that much money on a running back. You can they kind of are a dime a dozen right now. I mean. We saw the Patriots win a Super Bowl last year. They were very balanced, but they had four different running backs who basically showed up and and showed they could carry the football. I don't think that you should go out and spend big, huge bucks on a running back. Yeah. I think, you know, you got to be that way. I'm with you there. I agree that you need running backs to win. The talk of it being a devalued position, we might have gone too far. In, the, in that notion, but at the same time, it's not a position that you want to sink uh, that large amount of money and a commitment to. And like you said, McCoy, he's only 26 years old, but he's got a lot of mileage on him. He's a heavy usage player. And let's not forget that the Bills still don't have a quarterback, and you're not winning anything without a quarterback. So does he make them better? Is he a great running back? Yes, of course. But you know, how long is it going to take them to get a quarterback? And that's really when having McCoy and by then an improved Sammy Watkins is going to matter. But what's McCoy going to look like by the time you get a running back? That's the big question here if you're Buffalo. The one wild card I want to put out here is their offensive coordinator. I, I you know, I just came back and said that Ramos did a very nice job with uh, what he did with Colin Kaepernick and getting them to the Super Bowl. But we all looked at Alex Smith uh, as basically, you know, he was a number one overall draft pick. Um, horrible. I mean, he ne- he just played in all these different systems, wasn't very good at all. Jim Harbaugh's first year with Ramos as the quarterback, he goes 13-3. and three. Uh, 61% of his passes completed, throws 17 touchdowns and only five interceptions. The following year before getting hurt, uh, you know, he went six and two, completed seventy percent of his passes. Again, thirteen touchdowns to five interceptions. He can make Matt Castle into a decent quarterback. Matt Castle is a very decent system quarterback. He did well in New England uh, in 2011 when Tom Brady got hurt. He was surrounded by players who could play. You know, he was uh, surrounded by um, Wes Welker and Randy Moss, you know, and and Lawrence Maroney. He was very good that way. And then when he got traded over to Kansas City, uh, he had that dynamic run with Dwayne Bowe and Jamal Charles. So I'll be interested to see what Matt Castle can do. And look, he does have two very talented weapons in McCoy and in Sammy Watkins. And like you said, Greg Roman is a very talented offensive coordinator who he's... I've been pronouncing his name wrong. (laughs) I I was getting a good laugh at that. I was waiting, though. And, uh, you know, anyways, I'll just come out and ask it. And I know Castle does have some athleticism to his game, which makes him more of a fit in Roman's system. But in terms of wins, how much of an upgrade 
is Matt Castle from Kyle Orton, in your opinion? A game or two. Yeah, so... A, a, a game or two, and, and, and I consider the Buffalo Bills, yes, they were 9-7 and seven last year. If the Patriots needed that game, I don't think they win that final game, so they finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, So we're talking a 9-7, and 10-6 team. I do believe the Buffalo Bills can be a playoff team next year with Matt Castle as their quarterback. I think Castle is a better quarterback than Kyle Orton, although I'm not going to rule E.J. Manuel out just yet. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. You know, no one really knows what type of offseason progression Manuel is going to have, and we'll see who wins that job right now. The leading candidate is presumably Castle, but it certainly could be Manuel, and we'll see what that means. I agree also that the Bills are a very serious contender for a wild card spot. And look, if you're the Bills, they have the longest playoff drought in the NFL right now. Just getting in the playoffs, regardless of Super Bowl contention, is an important step and a reason to celebrate. So I'm not going to knock that. But at the same time, it really comes down to when you make going back to the Sean McCoy trade, it really comes down to when you can get a quarterback who's not Matt Castle, who's a bridge quarterback, when you can get that franchise guy. Exactly. Well, Bobby, let's end it on that, unless you have anything else you'd like to talk about. But I think uh, I think that's pretty good. No, unless Darrell Rivas signing with the Patriots breaks in the next couple minutes, I am all set. <laughs> Join myself and Bobby Kavitsky next week, as we are sure to have plenty to talk about as it'll be a few days after the new league year opens. Again, big news uh, on this podcast, of course, Vince Wilfork. Uh, his contract option declined. He is now a free agent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the New England Patriots. Shout out to, uh, to Doug Kide for coming on. Shout out to uh, my buddy Miguel from PatsCap.com, who keeps us up to date uh, on far as what happens with the New England Patriots. Uh, give a shout out to lynda.com, our sponsor. Get out there and challenge yourself today. And don't forget the free 10 day trial with going to www.lynda.com slash CLNS. Free 10 day trial. Go out, challenge yourself today. Learn about anything you possibly want. Free for the first 10 days. And after that, pick up the membership. It's really not that bad as far as money goes. Uh, especially if you like to learn a lot of things. And, of course, for Peak Brewing, mm, beer. I just love that beer. Until next week, I'm Jeff Kane for Bobby Kavitsky. This has been Patriots Beat. We'll check you guys on the flip side. Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.